everyone. Welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. My name is Jet, and thank you for joining me on the show today. But before we get started, just a reminder to you that the latest issue of Women in Pop magazine is on sale right now with Whitney Houston on the cover. Across 10 whole pages, we look back over Whitney's incredible career and to celebrate her magnificent voice, music and impact. We also have interviews with Toblo, Sampa the Great, Fletcher, Vera Blue, Isabella Manfredi and more. Plus, we celebrate the life of the incomparable Olivia Newton-John. You can buy your copy now at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe or in a news agency near you. On to today's guest. She first came to prominence as a member of the ARIA award-winning folk band All Our Exes Live in Texas. She launched her solo career in 2020 with a single Good Guy and recently released her new single Narcissist, which will be featured on her debut solo album, The End, which is due for release on June 2. She creates the most delicious indie pop with sharp lyrics and incredible melodies, and her debut album promises to be an absolute treat. It is, of course, the wonder Katie Whiten. Katie, hello and welcome to Women in Pop. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very thrilled to be here. Mate, it's a pleasure. And you have a new single, Narcissist, which is, first of all, a great word, despite the fact it means horrible thing about a horrible person. I'm just going to play that now before we get into it. So here is Narcissist. Now tell me, this is of course such an incredible um, and at the same time playful feminist anthem. I don't want to say anthem, I want to say like march of a song, like a fun march of a song. Um, And you also released it in line with International Women's Day, which is just like, hi, talk to me about this track. (laughs) Yeah, so it's really, sometimes songs just kind of come out and they're, simple and this one kind of came out and was became more complex I think than I had anticipated it being I was writing with I was doing a co-write with this artist in the states on zoom and he was like oh can you just chuck me some chords and and we had like we had a half an hour hang and I went off and found some chords and I found these chords that I ended up using for Narcissist and I was like, actually, I can't give you these chords because I like them. So that's kind of where it started was like someone else wanting the chords. And then, I don't know, I was just thinking about this idea that as a woman, if you're showing any kind of sign that you're interested in someone, you get labelled a slut or you get labelled a whore, whereas a man gets this kind of more like, it's changing definitely but yeah this idea that you can't necessarily or I felt that I couldn't as a woman be feminine and soft and you know caring and all of those things that we're supposed to be and also be this kind of like person with a sexuality and a and a so that was kind of like where it started and then I started thinking about the person I was writing it about and he just was so obsessed with himself and he was a musician and I think that 
oftentimes, particularly front people, get this kind of ego that means they don't have to work very hard. And he was really handsome and a beautiful singer and like lovely um, and super charismatic. And like we got along really well. But I just, the more time I spent with him, the more I was like, you don't, I don't know that you actually care about me. And I started getting these, like we stopped, it was a very brief dalliance, but we sort of stopped talking and then. I would just get these messages being like, oh, I'm putting a song out. And I'd be like, on like a, on like a, like a group text. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be on your mailing list. Like I thought we were some sort of, I thought there was like a connection anyway. So that's kind of how the song morphed. It's sort of, I guess a lot of my music starts out quite personally and quite, and quite specific to my circumstances. And then sometimes if you kind of zoom out, I hope is a commentary on bigger issues. So that's the like long-winded explanation of the song. No, but that's great. And I think the songs that resonate and the songs that live past the catchy melody or past a funny one-liner are always songs that are incredibly personal. They can be hilarious and incredibly personal, but the reason they resonate is because they're written with such integrity And because like as much as the world likes to make us think we're really not all that dissimilar. hundred percent. And that's, I think I teach songwriting as well. And that's one of the things I always say to the students. Like I think a lot of particularly young people or new songwriters think that they have to be general in order to be relatable and in order to resonate with people. And I kind of think it's the opposite because that vulnerability that it takes to be really specific and be really evoke that that feeling i think that's what people then kind of cling to in a in a song cuz you know you're listening to something going oh that's the feeling and that's how i feel i hope and it's it is very a specific circumstance like not everyone is going to be on a mailing list of someone they were sleeping with i guess <laughs> But you know what? The way the world's at is kind of like it's, it is really a, a modern day and problem. That's the thing, right? Like everyone writes a book and everyone's got an Instagram and ev- who cares? Like why are we all obsessed with ourselves? We all think we're this like incredibly important person and it's wild to me. Like they're, they're, n- not everyone should be uh, like an, an author not everyone should be an artist not everyone people you can just be a human in the world and that's just as valuable as do you know what I mean there's this oh yeah of- one of the scariest sentences you can hear is someone going oh did you did you want to read the first few chapters of my book <laughs> why is everyone doing that I don't know I don't know I, and and you know we all have this kind of idea that and I guess it comes from this human instinct of, of wanting to mean something. Like we, we want to be someone who means something. But I don't think you need to do that on the global platform. All the, I mean, says me. Like I'm, that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> this is the self-reflection period. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. I know what you mean, though. We don't, not all of our thoughts need to be processed. They don't need to be aired. Let's have no. them first, draft them, make them something that can mom. go on a bumper sticker. You know, call your mum, call your friend, call <laughs> your wife. I don't know. Just, just don't put it on the internet. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Um, you talked about songwriting, and I was going to ask you about this because quite often 
not that it's a bad thing at all. It's just when you have a singer songwriter, quite often they're going to be doing both, but they'll really want to be singing. But you seem to have this, like for you, as much as you're singing and it's your passion, I feel like for you it's the story and the creating a song that you really love. 100%. I, yeah, I think there's a few kind of reasons I love songwriting, I think. One is because I can do it in my bedroom and I don't have to go on tour. (laughs) Because as privileged as I was with exes to tour the world and meet so many wonderful people and have these incredible experiences and excuse me play for lots of people I don't like touring I like my house I like my cats I like my partner I love you know I kind of I'm such a homebody and so songwriting for me is something I can do at home I can do in Nashville I can do anywhere with people without people and i can kind of it feels very connective and it feels very real and human and also i can still go to the shops in my pajamas like if i become a famous songwriter no one's gonna know my face and that would be sick like i've never had a desire to be on the front page of magazines on like it just doesn't appeal to me whatsoever i just love the behind the scenes thing so I think yeah the the process of songwriting as well is super cathartic for me it also feels quite scientific now like I'm kind of curious about the inner workings of songs and I love listening to songs and understanding why I like them and and what it is I like about them and then trying to replicate it and it sort of becomes this like experiment and it's endless like it's just endless possibilities and with this song with Narcissist it's probably one of the only songs I've written that starts off with the chorus I say chorus I don't know if it's the chorus but starts off with that kind of like I got a feeling the thing that repeats and it has this like real slow down section in the middle and it's a minute and a half long or a minute and 45 seconds long like it doesn't feel like it should be finished but when I wrote it I was like oh that's all I need to say I'm not I don't need to say any more than that so it felt like it was done and I think that's something that's quite amazing about songwriting is that it doesn't have a, a, a generic formula necessarily. Like I think there are rules you can follow to make it catchy and make people make it stick with people. But yeah, I, the whole process is so exciting to me and wonderful to me. And the fact that I can do it anonymously and I can do it for other people as well like that. Yeah. I, I love it. You're you're spot on. I love songwriting. <laughs> it's so good. And also the way you you um you pull it apart. I saw recently you uploaded a cover of Goo Goo Dolls Iris. Um, which again, it was like, oh, okay, like we wouldn't expect listening to your music, but you would go into it. But you just yeah. sort of gushed about the composition of that song, particularly because what was it? The first verse is based. Oh, you can explain it better. I'm gonna make a mess of it. No, no, yeah, you're exactly right. So the first, the verse and the and the chorus melody are exactly the same the whole time. It just goes up. So he starts off the like low and then sings it exactly the same way up. And that to me, like, and everyone loves that song. And that song comes on in a pub and everyone's like, get out of you know, really like gets into it. And and I think it's because the verse sets you up, and then the chorus comes along and you're like, I know this. And it's a subconscious, I know this, but it's really clever songwriting. And I'm not sure that 
Google Dolls would have been like, oh, let's write a song, which, you know, where the verse and the chorus are the same melody, it would have just been like this more organic process, I think, um, which once you start to understand, I remember in high school, my uh, we had to analyze a book, this book that I, I loved and we had to analyze this book. And I remember being like, I don't want to analyze my favorite book. I just love it because I love it. And I was really offended. I was really like wounded that we had to do this. And as I've gotten older, I've been like, oh, that's actually really fun to do that to your favorite things. And then, it, and then I forget it, you know, like I don't sit and write a song and go, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. It's like kind of digesting that information, letting it be in the back part of my brain. And then I write from my heart and it kind of every now and then those things come out. So I, I have a feeling Google Dolls would have, would be very like, oh, we didn't do that on purpose. But yeah, I just am fascinated by that by that process and what makes a song feel so good like that. Absolutely. You know? Like where does where does that anthemic shock come in? Or where does, and I know um, you as the quartet as well, you would play with this quite a lot with um, all my exes live in Texas. You would flip songs on your head. And I imagine that comes from being a collaborative of very independent soloists as well. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I learned so much about writing and being an artist from those women. And I still do like, you know, everyone has solo projects now. And um, someone said we were like, I can't remember who they said we were like, I want to say the Grateful Dead, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, this a band that had gone off and had all these solo projects. And I was going to say the GGs, but that wasn't a good reference at all. (laughs) Songwriters, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Great songwriters. Yeah, so I feel like we all kind of came together as such independent, unique songwriters. Like all of us have very different ways of writing and being able to listen to that and learn so much about writing and about being an artist and about being unique from those women. Yeah, we that was a that was so lucky and I still have such respect, musical respect for them as their solo projects come out, I'm like, oh, of course you did this, of course, you know, and everyone has such different ways of writing. And, and so I, yeah, we had kind of a bit of everything in that, in that um, songwriting process with all our exes, like, it definitely felt, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, um, it is a wonderful combination, I think. Of but also different. it must be, it's because you, um, you you come at it with such strength and respect for each other. I can't imagine it's easy to be in any band um, for various reasons. You know, of course, everyone's creative. There are going to be creative differences. You all write differently. You play differently. Um, so to keep that strength and that, I guess, that availability to listen which is much as we go, oh, we all listen and we all care about each other, but you know, humans, we don't, we, you know, our ego drives us, which is why we all write books. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh God. We're all control so freaks. Everyone's a control Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I, it was such an, it's like the last, te- we've been a band for 10 years now and it's such a lesson in dropping your ego. Like, and I mean, we were lucky because we all bring songs to the group, you know, and, I bring a song and Lani brings a song and George, you know, we all, and then we workshop it together. So it's kind of, and, and it's always the person who wrote the song is the, is the winner kind of thing. So I think it's having that like 
benevolent dictatorship in the songwriting stakes was probably quite helpful because you know you listen to each other and you you take the great ideas and then sometimes you go actually this is kind of just how I wanted it to be but at the same time you're fully compromising all the time so that's like the difference between a solo thing and a and a collaboration like all our exes it was constant compromise and I think that's what's been so liberating for all of us about our solo projects is we've just been completely in control of what we make and how we make it and what we do with it and and so that's a a wonderful I feel so lucky to have both of those to be able to wear both of those hats that's so good and I'm really loving this kind of Lord of the Flies holding the conch shell reference to it <laughs> oh no because it also breaks apart that myth people are like oh you know the women they'll all get together and they'll they'll either like scratch each other's eyes out because that was a really powerful narrative or they all just sit around and talk about feelings and not really get anything done so <laughs> we had like we had a reporter say to us once oh how long do you think you'll last because you're women no yeah and I mean needless to say he was an old white man I mean you know but yeah there is this trope of like nasty bitchy sort of thing that happens within women and I just sort of think I I, I don't I don't understand that I can't I don't relate to that at all I feel like in our band there was honesty and there is honesty there is love there is difficulty there is challenge there is all of the human emotions it's like a four-way marriage you know and I think that we have managed our complex emotions also whilst being three hours sleep four different countries in four days tour managing ourselves you know it's like fuck you actually for thinking you know what I mean like that's the that's the sentiment I have still it's still there I read a quote recently from Louis Walsh talking why he wouldn't manage a girl group and he said quote because I won't manage a girl group because all girls want to be the leader and date a footballer which I'm sure you guys went through that didn't you Oh, that's uh, our yeah. phase. Yeah. Like we're still we're still through we're still dating footballers. Yeah, I, I exclusively date footballers actually, because um, I just feel like they have so much in common with me, and I know so much about the game that I can really connect with them. You can give them tips. That's the good oh, thing. And I do. <laughs> wow, that's such a wild quote. I know. And it's and he stood by it. And this is a very successful man that's managed, you know, managed, um, managed a lot of bands. So do we did we just like flip back into like the 50s? What just happened? That's not even so... the 50s. <laughs> you know, you go, okay, that there are things you think, and then you catch yourself and go, that's got to knock it on the head. But he's still coming out going, no, this sounds, yeah, this feels right. (laughs) I'm going to say that. I'm going to say it. Someone's going to ask me about it. Yeah, I'm going to double down. I'm going to double down on why I don't do this. This is, you know what, this is the hill I want to die on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk to you about the album because it also features Take You Home, which if anyone hasn't, first of all, heard it, go and listen to it. But I suggest listening to it with some visual quality because the video is the absolute (laughs) shit so here is take you home
Oh my God. Okay. The lyric, I don't know when the fire went out, but it left me dead and cold. (sighs) (laughs) I love this song. It is so fun, but also really quite disturbing because it narrated a lot of what, well, I say we've all, but really I'm saying me. What I've been through in, um, you know, coming to the end of a dead end relationship before. Yeah. Yeah. It's this song. My friend Liz Lizzie, who's Elizabeth M. Drummond, and if you haven't if you haven't heard her music, just get be prepared to cry an ocean of tears on her from her EP. It's just one of the most beautiful pieces of music art I've ever heard. Anyway, she and I wrote this song together, or started writing this song together in Sydney at the start of the pandemic, like March twenty twenty, and I was at her house and. She just was like, she's amazing at stream of consciousness stuff. So she just kind of, we were kind of playing around with guitars and she said something and I said, did you say saw your brother naked on the stairs? And she was like, oh, did I? (laughs) And it was like, and then we kind of had this idea of this relationship that you're in where you see, you see your partner's brother on the stairs and you don't, you realize you don't love them anymore because you're like, oh, wow, I don't even, I'm not even mortified that I saw your brother naked on the stairs, like. I don't I don't care anymore um yeah so I I and the the chorus of this like I don't want to fake it I don't want to like I can't pretend anymore you know but I but also I'm terrified of being alone and so I can't leave this comfortable safe place because I don't want to um yeah so I don't know I, I it it started off as this kind of weird abstract idea and then became very specific I personally haven't had as much of an experience of that but I had talked to a lot of girlfriends and I had kind of understood that feeling of like and yeah you know when even your mum knows that it was never gonna work and like maybe your mum chooses me at the end of the relationship because you're kind of shit you know it's so good and of course I mean the album is called The End and it's great because so far we've got these very punctuated songs coming through. Yeah. Um, can yeah. you talk to me without like revealing too much? Cause I know it's not coming out till June. Can you talk to me about like, yeah, thematically, both melodically, if such a thing. And I guess, yeah, thematically what the album is for you. Well, a lot of the songs are about uh, a breakup get together type relationship that I am currently in (laughs) um very much in the together stage um I think that's where it will stay oh my god what am I saying we're very it's great we have a house together it's (laughs) this is the relationship is you know but the songs if we're talking about the songs they are very much in this stage of like there's a song on there called Dear John which was like a play on the Dear John letter but it was more like please don't leave me that I wrote and started recording in LA with a with a friend called Jake Sinclair and and the night before we recorded it my partner rang me and we broke up on the phone and then I had to write this sing this song that was like you know uh, you know basically like I love you so much please don't leave um and then another song on the album called Unbroke My Heart which is like this idea that when we did break up I looked back at our relationship and I thought as much as it was heartbreaking to lose you the most heartbreaking part about it was the fact that 
you kind of healed me in the first place. Like I'd had all these experiences and that weren't great. And then all of a sudden I was in this relationship that was just so special and wonderful that kind of put me back together. So I guess the end was, was like, it's the end of something. And I think then the subtext is there's a beginning or like a new, a new beginning after that. So a lot of the songs are either about something ending. There's a song on there about my dad passed away last year and there's a song on there about my dad dying and this kind of weird space you're in before someone dies and you know they're dying and you, I don't know. So it's all, they all kind of felt like little endings to me, but then a lot of them are also about kind of beginnings and starting again. So, yeah. Ah, well, there isn't that life. Like it's just a constant series of ending and beginning. And I think we've also been sold this notion that the end of anything, its we've just put so much weight on it. And it is, yeah. it can be weighty, but it does, everything keeps spinning and it kind of has to. So I always yeah. love these top and tailings, end and beginnings. I think it's, it's such a great, um, it's such a great narrative and it's such a great narrative to put out and to continually mm. put out for people. So, you know, we have some songs, we have an album on the way. We've yep. got great things. Tell me what else is coming up for you. Uh, I've got a couple of shows in April in Victoria. So 21st of, 22nd. Oh, my God, I keep getting the date wrong. Point Lonsdale in Victoria at the Lighthouse Collective, which is this beautiful gig where you sit down and it's all very lovely. And then the 27th of April at Shot Kickers in Melbourne as well. Uh, there'll be some album shows in July around Australia, but just a couple of little shows in April. I'm at the point in my career where I love I love playing but I don't love touring so I just do little tiny spots when I want to um which is such a privilege and yeah so then I think there'll be another single in in May and then the album in June amazing and you know we talked about that you don't need to be touring you're at home with your cats and you're writing songs and pulling apart the goo goo dolls um (laughs) lastly before I leave you I'm just hell interested being such a songwriter and collector what was the first album that you just held to your heart that was like your favorite thing I mean this is embarrassing actually no it's not the first album I ever bought myself was the Tarzan soundtrack by Bill Collins yeah what a songwriter yes um but the first album that kind of got me was Tina Arena's Chains that was like I was like eight or nine and I was obsessed with Tina Arena obsessed with Ian Moss's Matchbook and obsessed with Eric Clapton Unplugged they were my three as a child like obsessed albums I was a weird kid like I think I bought Aqua when I was like 15 or something we all did that it's fine exactly we all did that and never be embarrassed about any of those choices you know we always talk about this Phil Collins he feels things as does Tina Arena so this is good totally and that Tarzan soundtrack I stand by it's a great great record (laughs) so after you've replayed these songs um please go back to the Tarzan soundtrack I think so Katie this has been so lovely chatting to you today thank you very much for joining us listeners Katie's latest single Narcissist is out now you just heard it you can download it and stream it on all platforms um you can also pre-order and pre-save her debut album 
the end. Now, please find links on our social media pages, katie.whiten at Instagram and Katie Whiten on Facebook. But before we go, a final reminder, issue 13 of Women in Pop magazine with Whitney Houston on the cover is out now and features interview with Toblo, Sample the Great, Fletcher and many more. Buy your copy now at a news agency near you or at womeninpop.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you for listening today. Until next time from myself and Katie, goodbye. Bye. Uh-huh.